Jeff Eisenband with Corey Eisenband here. We're uh, taping a podcast. We're going to put this on the Eyes and the Prize feed. Um, we'll see how it goes, right? We've been talking about this, talking about golf before. A golf tournament's the U.S. Open. Why not? Let's give it a go. See what happens. If there's any time to do it, it's this week. Yeah, and so for us, um, you know, this is a big deal uh, beyond just that it's the U.S. Open. But we're actually taping this right now at our childhood home what a few hundred feet from the uh, from the gates, arguably less of Wingfoot, right down the street. So for us, um, we didn't really play a lot. I mean, I've only played the back nine once, and I played the East Course front nine a couple times in high school. Um, we haven't spent a lot of time there, but we've been right here. 2006, we were there on Friday. We saw Tiger Woods miss the cut. We, uh, I, you were nine going on ten. I was thirteen. So I remember it a little bit more than Corey does. Do you yeah. remember? What do you remember from it? I can't say I remember a lot. I do remember sitting on 18 and knowing that things were happening that were eventful and that were probably going to go down in history. But I can't say I was really a uh, a golf uh, fashionista at the time. Aficionado, I thought Aficionado, you might say. Aficionado. I don't think words in my repertoire. But, uh. <laughs> um, but that we were there on Sunday. We were there on Friday, and then we were there on Sunday we sat on 18. I mean, I remember stuff from Sunday. I remember being on one of the par threes, watching uh, Camilo Vajegas and uh, Ian Poulter were both rocking really bright colored, classic 2006 Cobra outfits. But we were on the 18th hole. And I bet you Ian Poulter's wearing the same pair of pants <laughs> this week. <laughs> we were on the 18th hole when um, Phil Mickelson came down and, you know, it's something that I always remember. I always tell people this story that in 2006, there were no smartphones. No one was following what was going on. So like we didn't know that Jeff Ogilvy had chipped in on 17 to kind of make things make it interesting. We saw Colin Montgomery, Jim Furyk unable to finish down the stretch, but we can't even see we're on the right side short of the green. We can't see the tee box, but we hear the thump is something that I'll always remember hearing the thump of Phil Mickelson hitting the tent and everyone scrambling and being like what is going on right now? Obviously for those who need a refresher? Phil hits all he needs is a bogey to tie a part of win on the 18th hole. He hits the tent on his tee shot. He gets a good lie off the tent because everything was trampled down. Hits a tree on his second shot. Well, that's where he went wrong, but that's where he also got himself to that position was playing Phil Mickelson golf. That's we've had this conversation back and forth because if Phil lays up and he hits his third up, and then just two putts. He plays the next day. He plays back then 18 holes the next day. He plays on Monday. But instead, he hits the tree, comes down, hits his third shot in the bunker, fried egg, hits it across the entire green, misses the chip, and double bogeys. And it's something that we'll always remember watching. I always wonder if we would have looked at it differently. Because we, I, I know I remember we got out of there before the trophy presentation. Poor Jeff Ogilvy. No one wanted to stay. Everyone would have stayed if Phil stayed. But, Corey, the interesting thing I think about no fans is there's no tent there this year. There's so, no tent. If you saw pictures of the 18th hole, they showed where the tent would have been and how open the 18th hole is. This is a Tillinghast course that he has a lot of holes that are – parallel to one another usually you can't drive the ball anywhere here i think this week it might be a little bit more open i know the roughs that's why they have to grow the rough the way it is because truth is there's not a lot of out of bounds on this course which sometimes u.s open courses have a lot of out of bounds we should mention by the way Corey eisenband on the minor league golf tour a lot more knowledgeable about uh let's say the x's and o's 
than I can. So you you see a course differently than I see it. How will the no fans aspect of this beyond just that on the 18th hole you think affect because the rough won't be trampled down? Um, you know, there just there there aren't those different aspects of the tents and things. How much might that affect what I, we're going to see out I there? I think the biggest thing with no fans is that players are going to lose golf balls, and there's spotters out there, but you know, even if you have a handful of spotters on every hole. I mean, you're seeing guys drop balls from knee high that they lose in the rough. I mean, there's going to be players that hit hit a ball in a spot where there's no spotter and they don't find it. And I think it's going to be really interesting this year with the three minute rule that's been changed since the five minute rule that you only have three minutes to find a golf ball. And sometimes it's going to be, uh, it's going to be challenging to find. And I I think that we're going to see, uh, see a couple of scenes that we've never seen before, which is a guy that hit the ball, you know, five to ten yards off the fairway in an okay spot just in the rough and he's going to be going back to the tee with a lost ball yeah so this is i mean Wingfoot. it's going to be interesting i saw one stat that i think only twice there's been a u.s open that the winning player didn't have one round under par and they were both at Wingfoot. so we're talking about this was a stretch by the way in the mid-2000s where you had Pinehurst, Michael Campbell wins in 20, 2005 at even. Jeff Ogilvie wins at plus five at Wingfoot. Angel Cabrera wins the next year at plus five at, uh, at Oakmont. So that was an incredibly difficult stretch that we really haven't seen. We've seen a few plus ones since uh, at Webb Simpson at Olympic, Justin Rose at Marion, and Brooks Kepka at Shinnecock. But this might be something totally different where we see where we haven't what we haven't seen really since that 2007 at Oakmont where we might see the winner at plus five or worse do you enjoy that I I think as a spectator more than a golfer I think golf fans love to see that I think golf fans you know the average golfer if you played winged foot she or she played winged foot you're looking at the line set it over over under 120 I mean this is a golf course that plays incredibly difficult when in the easiest of conditions and this is a golf course that's playing in the toughest conditions and I think everyone's going to uh, appreciate a little challenge for the best in the world and make them maybe feel a little bit better about themselves there is nothing I love more than difficult U.S. Open golf I do not want to see a winner under par I want to see someone have to grind it away have to grind to make pars because to me this is this is the test you know you take away some of those other factors you take away you know the pin placements are so difficult the green speeds the rough it just feels like you can't necessarily be a Bryson and just attack every every par four and give yourself 50 yards in you're not going to have that here I mean, I think it's interesting. You see a lot, a lot of people have been asking me recently, who do you like this week? And I think the obvious is we have no well, idea. I was gonna say, you don't like anyone. I don't <laughs> like anyone. On the, who, who is going to do well? No one's going to do well. Who is going to do the least poorly? You know, you first you think about the, uh, the, long, the bombers, right? A Bryson or a DJ. DJ is on a different category right now. But, um, you know, you look at Bryson. Theoretically, everyone's going to end up in the rough a handful of times at least off the tee. Does Bryson and his strength have a better chance of getting the ball out of the rough? Maybe. Does he have a wedge in his hand because he hit it a little bit further than a Webb Simpson? Maybe. But he also has to find the ball. He also has to then hit the green, which now they're going to be playing firm because it's 45 degrees on Saturday morning when they tee off. You know, Wingfoot said they wanted their greens on an 11. They're not. They're going to be like a 12 or a 13. If you're in the rough... I think you're going to have a very hard time making par. So I think, you know, in terms of this week, who can put it in the fairway? 
and I think we're not going to see a lot of drivers. And you look at a golf course that's playing 7,400 yards, there's a handful of 500-yard par fours that guys are going to be using two iron off the tee just because they're saying, I'm going to play a two iron, hit another one. Maybe. How many guys have a two iron in your ba- in their bag, you think? In this day and age, I'd say 75 to 80% of the guys have a two iron, two or a utility A driving iron. iron. A driving iron, which is a two or a three, depending on what they have. Um, but you're not seeing a lot. I mean, Justin Thomas is a guy that uses five woods. He's going to use it all over the place. I mean, especially with his driving accuracy, he's not pulling out the driver. Well, I would say the the three big the big three right now. When you look at who's playing well, Dustin Johnson and John Rahm went nuts both of them in the playoff. The way that those two guys were playing, obviously they have the distance. Uh, Rahm's a younger guy. DJ's been around, but that's the that's their game a little bit more. JT is more of a finesse player. I know our father somewhere in this house right now has written off. Uh, Justin Thomas, he doesn't think that he'll be able to get through the rough. No, and he hasn't played well at U.S. Opens yeah. in the past, so he has no chance. But this is not a past U.S. Open. This is winged foot with Justin Thomas in his prime. He's, well, he, he's he, a gamer. He shot, what, a 63, I think, at Aaron Hills. Not that that's, you know, winner there was... Tough task to do. But it, but the winner there, the score was different than it's going to, you know, could have been almost 20 shots more than we're going to see at Wingfoot. Rory's also in there a little bit. I think that, that you know, he just hasn't been playing as well. <clears throat> You're wondering what he's going to do with a kid at home now? Well, you wonder, I mean, so the tour championship... Rory played a little bit better than he had been playing. He said he changed drivers to, you know, because he was having some trouble. He had the kid before. He had the kid. But, I mean, if, if he's having trouble with the driver, that's his biggest strength that he puts it in play. If he's in the rough, he's – you can kind of write anybody out from the rough here. But, I mean, is he is – he in? Do are we putting him in that DJ, John Rahm, Justin Thomas category right this second? Absolutely. Right this second. Absolutely. He still gets in there. I think so. All right. Well, I, mean, he, I think he's proven himself. I think he's one of those guys that, you know, when there's a, a major and a tournament that he needs to play his best, he's going to play his best golf. Um, I think DJ is going to be a really interesting story considering he is just on another planet right now. Um, we all saw the quote about him having no clue if he'd ever binged a winged foot before, which I think is just hilarious. And I think it shows a lot about there's probably guys that are terrified of this golf course right now. Dustin Johnson is not. He's going to go out and he's going to play his game. And if he can play that little peel fade and hit fairways, he could win by 15 shots. I mean, he's like, I don't think that I think, I mean, I, I I think that, but because even though you're exaggerating, I mean, Tiger did win a U.S. open by 15 shots at at Pebble beach when everyone else was, was under, was over par and he was under par. So things, crazier things have happened. I, I think that, you know, DJ could be a little hot and cold. He's taking the week off, which means a lot in DJ's world. I mean, when he takes a week off, you just never know what you're going to get. I mean, has he swung a golf club in the last <laughs> week? We just don't know. These are things that we don't know. We don't know that. We do know that Tiger will be back. Uh, first time we've seen him since, the B- since uh, I guess, the BMW, right? Did you see what it time he teed off this morning? Uh he, he was on the, I saw it at 6.45 a.m. We're taping this on Wednesday. He was on the range. We were having this debate in our house last night about does he have a chance to win. I said, I, I, I've said this before about two years ago. I said, I thought he'd win three more majors. I said, I thought he'd win two open championships and one PGA. He proved me wrong by winning the Masters, which I, I foolishly thought was going to be about distance more so than knowing the course. And we saw Tiger carve it up. And, you know, he could be Fred Couples playing 
playing Augusta until he's, you know, 55 and competing. Um, but how about the U.S. Open? Forget in my mind that he didn't make the cut at Wingfoot in 2006. He was coming off his father's death. He hadn't played. Uh, he went on to win the next two majors that year. I don't. I think that was fluky. Does he have a chance to win a U.S. Open at one of these play a historic course like this? At Wingfoot, no. Does he have a chance to win another U.S. Open? Absolutely. Um, I worry about his back this week. I mean, you're seeing this rough is going to be a grueling task to get out of. I am genuinely worried <laughs> that someone's going to get hurt. And I, Tiger. I think knows his body better than any other athlete there is. I saw he teed off one the last two days with an iron and that's, you know, I'd have to look it up, but that's a 475 yard par four that he's hitting an iron off the tee. Cause he just does not want to put the ball in the rough. Cause I think it for tiger to a make the cut and then to play four days out of the rough, it's just going to take a toll on him that he, will not be able to be there on Sunday. I, I, I'm i going to go a little exaggerative in that Tiger should almost consider at some point being like Roger Federer, who Roger Federer just started taking off the French Open. It's like, I'm not going to win on clay. So what am I doing wasting my body, you know, on clay courts? And it actually helped him on grass and hard court. You almost wonder if Tiger, it, it, it's different because it's not a whole clay court season. You almost wonder if it's like, I'm not going to win the U.S. Yeah. Open. I have to play it because the U.S. Open. But you almost start to wonder. I mean, look at his schedule after this. He's got the U.S. Open, and then he's got to figure out. Probably, I think he'll play maybe one or two, or one or two of those tournaments in Vegas, and then the Masters is in November. So he's got to keep himself ready yeah. for that, where he legitimately has a chance. Yeah, and and I think it's interesting with the schedule this year in terms of how he's going to gear up for the Masters, which he will always have a chance until you know until the day he retires. My mic's a little. I'm low. just I'm getting getting Corey's mics up. We're trying to trying to get him going here um but no i mean i think that tiger feels like his game is in a really good place right now um i think he feels like he has an advantage at winged foot just because a lot of these guys haven't played it um, which is another thing to talk about but you know he knows this golf course he played it a few weeks ago he was here earlier than any other player playing it getting ready um in terms of the golf course itself, I think he has a really good chance. I just think the conditions this week, especially with the colder weather that we haven't seen in a while, I think it'll be a struggle on a guy like Tiger. But how good would it be for the golf world to see him, you know, relevant on a, on the weekend? It should be. It's worth noting as I, I just pull up what Tiger's done in, in the past. He hasn't missed a cut since the Open Championship last year, which was uh, in Northern Ireland. That's when Rory also missed the cut coming uh trying to come down the stretch in, in round two and salvage it. Uh, he withdrew at the Northern Trust right after that. Actually came back, we're talking last year, at the BMW. And then when he's played, he's at least made the cut. I know it hasn't been better than 37th um, going back to the Genesis earlier this year. So he struggled a little bit. But again, a course that he has played more than other players. I believe he's, I mean, going back to the 97 PGA, he's played two majors on this course before. Yeah, I, I just think his mindset changes a little bit. And, you know, you look at some of these, he's made every cut that you were just spoke about, but he hasn't finished better than 37th. I think he sets his goal for the beginning of the week of, I want to make the cut. And he focuses on that cut number when, you know, vintage Tiger Woods from Thursday was saying, I want to win this golf tournament. But he wasn't always a wire-to-wire -wire guy. Sometimes it was feeling out the course, getting like, you know, Tiger would love if the leader's at, let's say the leader's at one under. Um, after the first round, Tiger would love to be a plus two. 
Yes. Uh, you know, that's where he would love to sit himself at after at least the first round because he knows if he's close, he's going to get on guys' heels. Uh, two guys I want to get to, the the sweet swings of Xander Shoffley and Colin Morikawa. Um, kind of for, you know, Morikawa got on a lot of people's maps by winning the PGA. For golf junkies, two guys' swings who people just adore, who, you know, it, it has felt like Xander has been knocking on the door to win a major. Colin Morikawa just won. How do those guys line up here at Wingfoot? I like them both at Wingfoot. I think Colin Morikawa playing that tiny little fade that he's so good with. Um, I watched a video recently of him saying he plays nine and a half out of ten shots to his little fade. Um, he's not afraid to play to his style of golf, which is somewhat rare with some of these young guys. They feel like they have to play the golf course, let alone their game. And he's so he's so confident. He's so good. He's proven that he can win. And then you have Xander, who is just relevant every single week. Not just relevant every single week. He's been relevant in a lot of majors. Yes. A rookie in 2017. And, I, I mean, you go back, he, he almost won. He was also with DJ and Brooks, one shot behind Tiger at the Masters um, in 2019. He was, was right there at the end of the 2018 Open Championship. You know, we're, we're, we want to see what he can do. He, he was around at Shinnecock. We want to see what he can do at a U.S. Open. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. He's one of those players that if you, if I asked you what is his greatest strength, what would you say? His greatest strength? I mean, we, I talk about how I try to replicate his tempo, but I would say his iron play. Oh, I think it's, I think the, it's actually really hard to answer that question because he's so good in every facet of the game. I mean, you look at Mor Morikawa is known for his irons, right? It's, who, what's his group, him, Tiger, and JT? We saw, I read you that tweet that said, I can't, I can't remember who it is, so I don't want to say the wrong part. I think it was Brian Wacker, maybe, or, or Joel Beal. Sorry to mix them up. But, um, yeah, we saw that tweet that said that Tiger maybe is the third best iron player yeah. in his group. I mean, those are guys that are known for their iron play, right? Justin Thomas, you can say he's not the best driver of the golf ball, right? Tiger, you can also say he struggled a little bit with his driver, but they both were just such incredible iron players. You look at a Morikawa and a Xander, they're great with their irons, but every other part of their game is just as good. Um, so, you know, he's one of those guys that just top to bottom of his game is just so solid and so ready to win a U.S. Open that I don't see why this couldn't be the week for him. I'm trying to trying to it was Kyle Porter. So sorry to mess it up for golf Twitter, but it was Kyle Porter. who said, I do wonder how yeah, often Kyle Porter. Tiger has been the third best iron player. In his group, at his and in his group at any tournament in his life, it's a good question. Um, I do think that when Tiger plays with guys, he he might not end up being the third best iron yeah, player. He, he'll, he will he'll, uh, he will have an internal competition with those two the entire Thursday and Friday rounds. I'm sure he'll figure something out uh, in that way. Let's talk about who can surprise. We can go down the list. You know, we have our own uh, daily fantasy group with our family and my girlfriend actually. So we we go deep into who could potentially step up when you look at some of the sleepers in this tournament who are they this is going to go back to what i said earlier about people keep asking me who i like this week and it's it's just so hard to say i mean don't say victor hovland i know that's your guy i love victor hovland <laughs> i took him in my DraftKings lineup um i think did you see him on the range last night yeah last After, guy last, last guy. guy the range was closed he was still there um, I think he's a guy that, you know, you look at some of these younger guys who have a chance, but, th you know, they're looking to make the cut. I, I really think Victor Hovland is looking to win. 
Um, and I think it's a different mindset. I think it's, um, you know, you see some of these guys who say that, you know, they're just, they're grateful to be here this week. They're amazed that they made it in and they're just going to go out and they're going to play their best golf. And then there's the guys who have that expectation for themselves that I'm going to win. Um, I think Victor Hovland, if he plays well. Was that who you were going to say was your sleeper? not who I was going to say. All right, who is it? I I don't have a sleeper off the top of my head. I like a Corey Connors. Um, His ball striking is really, really good. Um, He plays well at tight golf courses, similar to a Webb Simpson. Um, They hit the ball straight. You worry about distance this week. They're not guys that hit the ball overly long. But like I said, I don't know if that's going to matter this week. It's just who can you take and say, if you can put the ball in the fairway off the tee, you have a chance of winning. And there's guys, you know, you look at a, uh, a Sung J.M., right, who has a really, really good solid swing. He's a really good ball striker. If he puts the ball in play, he's going to be there. By the way, Sung J.M., there's 50 tournaments next year, 52 weeks, 50 tournaments. Some of those are obviously alternate um, events. Um, I still think he might play in 50 in all 50. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if Tommy Fleetwood could be considered a sleeper, but based on he's not a sleeper, but but I just think, uh, you know, when you look at guys who haven't, he hasn't won on the PGA tour yet still, but you look at what he's done at us opens at majors and the way that he had spot, I think still American fans maybe don't know him as well as they need to, but I, you know, I think he'll be right there. I don't know, like I don't know if Abraham answer if we're throwing out there as a sleeper, a guy who's been a gamer all year, who's just waiting for that moment to pop. Kind of similar to a Colin Morikawa, just uh, he's a little, you know, not a rookie, not not I guess he's been around a couple years longer, but it just feels like he's getting better and better as things go along. So there's there's a lot of guys that could step up. I think that we don't get Corey, we don't see as many of those Michael Campbells. Um, you know, Trevor Immelman, no, no, no disrespect to Trevor Immelman, great broadcaster. But when he won the Masters, you know, these guys that kind of come out of the woodwork, the Ben Curtises, uh, the Todd Hamiltons of the world, the last few years, it seems like it's big name, big name, big name, big name winning. Is that just golf having so much talent or is that a matter of these guys knowing the courses better and, and whatnot? I think it's tough. I think somebody asked me recently who I think is the next Tiger. And I said, with the game the way it is today, I don't think we have the next Tiger because everyone is just so good. And everyone, you know, Tiger was just on another level. And the way the game is today, it's just we have so many guys top to bottom in the entire field that when they're on, they can win. And it doesn't matter. I mean, you look at an Adam Scott this week who he is. I say it, Corey. Say He's your analysis ba- on him. My my analysis of Adam Scott is he is the best ball striker in the world. I think he has been his whole career. He just can't putt. But he can't Co- do it. Corey once said to me, he's the best golfer in the world. He just can't putt. He can't putt. I mean, if you took 50% of the field and said just putt for Adam Scott, I think he'd win seven times the amount he's won. If you keep, If they don't change the long putter rule. He has one major. How he, many majors does he have right now? At least four. No, I don't think <laughs> I mean, he has it's unbelievable. Four. How I mean, you look at how good this guy is with his putting struggles. It's putting at the end of the day, if you can, you know, you look at a winged foot, guys are gonna have ten foot par putts on a lot of holes. If you can make these ten foot par putts, you're gonna give yourself a chance. 
if he's struggling on the greens along with dealing with this rough, it's going to be a long, gruesome tournament. Well, that's where like Webb Simpson sees the hole looking like giant. Well, J- Jordan Spieth, 2020 Jordan Spieth, not 2015 Jordan Spieth, is going to look at these holes like he'll have a 10-foot putt and the thing will look like a speck he's putting yeah, at. Yeah, I mean, it's you feel bad for Jordan. Um, the the crazy thing about Jordan is his 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 game is kind of catered to this. No, it's not even that. His make percentage goes down the closer he gets to the hole. I mean, his make per- I believe you'd have to look, but his make percentage is similar at like seven feet as it is from three feet. It's just he struggles on those really really short putts, and Wingfoot. There's going to be a lot of two foot sliders. I mean, so I I was thinking about this earlier. You know, we grew up in Mamaroneck, New York. We grew up on some of these old Tillinghast courses. You know, before we knew how to golf, we were putting on greens that were just <laughs> insanely hard. I mean, I've played winged foot a handful of times. We've played Fenway Golf Club a lot, which is Tillinghast made that in Fenway. Or Quake, that Quaker in Ridge is Quaker right Ridge. there. We've we played, played Beth Page golf, a lot. Well, Beth Page is a little bit of a different story in terms of the greens. But – these greens are no joke, and we did, had no idea. We thought that every green we was thought, like we this. We thought this was golf. We thought that every green you were supposed to have like three foot benders. I mean, we're looking at a one is. foot putt, which is just a tap in anywhere else, and we're looking. We're like, is this gonna break a foot and a half? <laughs> I mean, we had no idea. And then we go out, you know, in the middle of the country, we play some of these flatter greens, and we're like, why didn't that move at all? And it's like, well, a lot of these greens don't move the way Tillinghast designed them to move. This week, they're gonna move. People look at us in like Florida or somewhere and we're putting, you know, over there and the holes over there and they're like, what are you nuts? Yeah, we just see more break. It's what we were, uh, how we learned how to play. We assume things are going to move, but of course that, that not necessarily the case. Um, you know, it's, it's been kind of hard for us even. And like, I, I've let my apartment lease run out in New York. I'm here. I know you spent a lot of the year in Florida, but you're here and we see the signs right across the street. And we're not there. It's unfortunate. I hope they bring the U.S. Open back here as soon as possible. But without fans, you know, and we saw it with Harding Park. We saw, you know, Colin Morikawa's shot on 16 is going to be a trademark PGA championship shot for a long time. How can this tournament still be special with no fans? I think the loss of fans is actually a bigger deal for the players. Um, you see Tiger talk well, a lot. Well, it's a big of, deal for a lot of people's wallets, but, well, but yes. That, I mean, yes, but but in terms of Tiger talks a lot about the energy that's given off from the fans. And, you know, some of these players that just would love nothing more than to play in front of these huge crowds and hear these roars. But in terms of, you know, you and I, we live, I mean, I could hit a driver onto the first tee. I'm serious. Like, from where we are, we could hit a driver onto the first tee. And the fact that we can't go in, I mean, in a normal year, no corona, no world ending, we'd be there. To be honest with you, it's going to be more fun to watch from our couch. A hundred percent. I don't know. If, I mean, look, I would have loved to be in the media center. Um, I don't know if I would have wanted to be in the crowd like we were in, on, in I mean, 2006. We did it. We, we lived it. We missed so much of everything down the stretch. But we were part of the noise. You know, yes. we were part of the that silence, you could say, while Phil was unsure of what was going on he was about as unsure as i was at the time of the nine-year-old Corey. but no i mean i think that it would be amazing for people to see firsthand how crazy this rough is and how challenging it's going to be but i think if it plays the way it has the potential to play 
it's going to be just as special for people to watch wherever they are on their smartphones, on their phone or their TVs, whatever it is. I think it's going to be a fine event. I think, you know, winged foot's upset that they can't have fans. I think the USGA is upset that they can't have fans. I think the players are really bummed, but in terms of a fan, we got to watch, we got to watch them struggle. And, you know, for us, I guess it does suck that it's, you know, right there and we can't be there, but it's still going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be an amazing week to watch. It's going to be, you know, I think things are going to happen that we could never have spoken about prior. Um, and I'm just excited for them to get going tomorrow. I mean, you look at, uh, you look at the best names in sports that are about to have the worst week of their lives and we're going to love it. Oh, we are going to love nothing more than watching these guys try to trudge around Wingfoot. They're the rough up to their, their knees, just trying to save bogey on a lot of holes. We had, we had an inside source tell us yesterday that they cut down the rough Tuesday, I believe Tuesday evening because players were losing their golf balls around the green. And we're talking a couple feet off the green. They just couldn't find it. Um, it's going to be amazing. Uh, for those wondering, so Wingfoot, obviously, you don't get the fans here for the New York crowd. 2026 Shinnecock. Um, the U.S. Open will be back. So uh, I believe it's 2026 in that range. Uh, we'll see another U.S. Open here. Corey? Oh, wait, you had something to say. No, I was just going to say Shinnecock's a, a very different golf course. I'm just talking about from the – No, I am, but, I, but, but the, we're coming back to the New York area. It's, uh, you know, it's six years away, but um, we'll be excited. We'll be ready for it, and hopefully we'll uh, be able to be there for that one. The Ryder Cup will be at Bethpage Black before then, so if you want to get really rowdy, um, <laughs> we'll get rowdy then. Your pick for this U.S. Open? Dustin Johnson. I think it's so hard and foolish – to bet against him right now i'm not like he if if i really was betting and i'm not placing a bet for one person to win i just think it would be really hard to bet against the way he's been playing right now so i went basically not fit not actual actually all in but i was on msg networks i took dustin johnson last year at pebble beach i was like brooks won the pga but this is different dustin revenge pebble beach he's the best u.s open player I think in the world, and that was saying something when Brooks had won two straight, and he didn't really show up last year. So I, I just, I wonder. You still got to think about DJ at majors. He just hasn't necessarily got it done. I think I'm going JT. I've been been wavering back and forth, but I'm going to stick with JT. Justin Thomas. I think that, you know, we're a little skewed because of this kind of blip where DJ and Rom were the guys, but Justin Thomas was the guy. For the first half of the season, you could say Rory was in there, but JT was actually winning tournaments before the stop. When we came back, he was still playing strong. You know, almost took it at the workday. Colin Morikawa just beat him out, won in Memphis. And then he played really well at the Tour Championship. So I understand all the concerns about him on a course like this, but I think that Justin Thomas is the best all-around player in the world, and now, I think that matters. Before we cut off, we've spoken, we've spoken about a lot of golfers today. We haven't spoken about John Rahm particularly. Okay. Why? Uh, I think because we're looking at two sides of the spectrum, DJ and JT, and he's a little uh, almost in between on our radar. Um, and because maybe he hasn't won a major. I don't know. You have something up your sleeve. No, I, I just, I'm thinking, you know, we're, we're talking about two very different players in terms of Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas, the way they play the game. Maybe somewhere in the middle is the right pick. To me, Rahm just concerns me with his... Um, He's got to figure out how to 
maintain his composure at a major. Like I could see him and such a nice guy off the course. I could see him in the rough on the first few holes and just frustrated. Now that doesn't mean that he doesn't shoot, you know, he's not plus six after the first day and plus, you know, shoots the only three under round in the second round and makes the cut or something. But I just, I, I, I think that I, I guess for me, he has to prove, especially a U.S. Open. If this wasn't a U.S. Open, we can talk about something else. But you look at the guys, you look at the U.S. Open champions over the last decade and take Martin Keimer out of this. But you're talking about Rory, Justin Rose, Brooks twice, DJ, Spieth at his peak. I mean, this is not, this is not just, uh, you know, good luck, have fun out there and see what happens. You have to be one of the best players and you have to have that trend of course john rom's one of the best players but to me but he's got to he's got to prove himself at a major at least being relevant before i take him that's fair um and one last prediction before we go what's your winning score uh, i think it's gonna be plus three i know it was plus five last time i think that even if the course is hard i think that when you look at the technological change we talked about at the top how there hasn't been a plus five since uh since 2007 the worst score has been i think plus one three times it seems like they're they're trying to make sure that you're in that minus one to minus to plus two range and i think it goes a little lower this time i don't know my my prediction is plus six plus six plus six we'll see all right uh that'll be right there the u.s open right down the street from us we're across the street outside the gates we'll be watching uh all four days Corey eisenman jeff eisenman and of course cue the music because the U.S. Open theme is back. Corey, I used to walk down the, the fairway when I was a kid saying, from Larchmont, New York, or from Amerineck, New York, Jeff Eisenbahn. That's our Jeff. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, folks.